Hello, and welcome to Found, TechCrunch's podcast, where we bring you the stories behind the startups from the folks that are building them. It's me, your host, Becca Skutak, and today we've got something special for you. Recently, our fellow TC reporter, Rebecca Bellin, got the chance to talk to Linktree co-founder and CEO, Alex Zakaria. They talked about how to scale a freemium model, the benefits of fundraising when money is harder to come by, and how Alex thinks about growing the company sustainably while maintaining their Aussie culture. I'll let the other Rebecca take it away from here. This is Rebecca Ballon. I'm reporting for TechCrunch Down Under. I'm currently sitting in the very cool, trendy office of Linktree, the Australian-based freemium social media reference landing page startup. And I'm sitting here with the founder, Alex. Why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, I'm Alex. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Linktree. Well, thanks so much for coming on today. What do we say? G'day? You say it. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you can say whatever you want. G'day will work. Yeah, yeah. g'day. How you going? Good. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about how you got here, how Linktree got to where it is today. I think we just said that you were founded in 2016, but why don't you give us a little bit of your founder journey? Yeah, sure. So Linktree was founded in 2016. It was actually born out of an agency my co-founders and I were running at the time. It was a digital agency that specialized in music and entertainment. So we ran a lot of the digital strategy, end-to-end, go-to-market strategy for festivals, record labels, artists. So artists really from a music sense of the word and a lot of cultural festivals as well, like film festivals and comedy festivals. But obviously those artists are kind of what we refer to more as creators. Now at that time, we had a real challenge where they were having a lot of trouble linking out of Instagram, linking out of their social media from a marketing perspective, especially given there's only one link. And creators have a lot of different revenue streams. Artists have a lot of different revenue streams. They had their their streaming on one platform. They had their video content on another platform. They had their merch on another platform, their video on another platform. And often each of them are owned by different stakeholders as well. And they're all arguing over which link is more important. And so it was really actually just a really simple solution that we had to a problem that our, our clients had. And turned out that actually, you know, we ran it as a bootstrapped side hustle to the agency for a while. And it turned out that actually it wasn't just music that had this problem. It was actually the entire internet that is this fragmented uh, that it has, you know, brands, small businesses, influencers, creators, even just individuals mm. having a lot of different social media accounts. I think it's something like 8.9 social media accounts per internet user in the US. So the amount of different places you find your audience and then the amount of different places you need to get your audience to just continue to explode over those many years. And so Linktree really cemented as that really easy way to be able to yeah, get your audience from A to B essentially and then continue to evolve from there in terms of what it can do from a marketing tech perspective. Yeah, definitely. We all have these different personas, different digital personas that you need to be able to, I guess it's helpful to find it all in one place. How are you thinking about growth and scaling with social media platforms that are constantly changing the way that they work, right? Like some do give options for link in bio, some don't. It could be more complicated. I think Instagram just added a feature where you can add like five links. So that's kind of coming up on your territory. How are you thinking about that? Yeah, look, ultimately Linktree exists to be able to unify across all of those accounts. You get the most value out of Linktree if you are driving your traffic from multiple different locations, right? So from multiple different referral sources. So often it's TikTok and an Instagram, maybe a LinkedIn, a Twitter, or YouTube. Often we see like QR codes on business cards and your link in your business card and your email signature. So really completely replacing a website in many cases like in that way. And the other thing we notice is it's imperative because of the way that social media platforms just change on a whim, the way their algorithm works or the way they want their platform to work. 
that is actually really important for creators to make sure they are fragmenting their audience and be able to own their audience as much as they can. So get your audience from Twitter over to Instagram and from Instagram over to TikTok and be able to access them and reach that audience as many different places as possible. And Linktree is really designed to help you get your audience between each of those different platforms. In terms of Instagram launching multiple links, actually we saw significant growth from that. And so there's, you know, one particular type of customer maybe that would be useful for if, if you're only linking from Instagram to a couple links. But Linktree is significantly more than just a list of links out of your Instagram. It helps you track your analytics and move your links around and schedule them. And there's all these like whole bunch of smart links in terms of the way you showcase your content. And for the very large majority of our users, they get the value from being able to bring their traffic from multiple places into Linktree and just be able to manage it all in one single, simple, easy location. And so, yeah, we actually saw a lot of growth from that and we're just continuing to make sure that we can help our linkers, what we refer to as our, our users, our linkers, be able to be able to track their content, drive their audiences and ultimately end in either growth or revenue for them. Yeah, well, one thing I did notice about the Instagram additional links was that when you go to another link that is provided in the bio, it still kind of stays within Instagram. It doesn't actually link out. So initially I thought, well, why wouldn't all of these social media platforms just build this capability for themselves? But I guess there really is kind of value, I guess, to keeping users on the platform and they would want to disincentivize that. Yeah, ultimately, the link does open in a web view inside those apps. But for a linker to be able to manage all of that in one place, be able to update your link, be able to manage how that traffic is treated, depending on what platform it came from, being able to consolidate all those analytics, it's significantly more than any one platform is able to do. And also creators, linkers, brands, businesses, social media managers don't want to go change that link in three, four, five, ten different places. They can manage it all really easily. Mm -hmm. And then there's obviously a, a lot of the more marketing technology that we've built in. For example, like the music link, if you as an artist put in your Spotify link, we'll pop up and say, hey, we just found your song on 40 other streaming platforms and we'll turn it into a music link. And it means the visitor, when they click on that link, they actually get shown all of the streaming platforms where the song's available to them in the country they're in. So we're looking at licensing across the whole world and making that really really easy and completely free for artists to be able to access that kind of enterprise record label style technology. Mm. And we've done that for book links and podcast links. And we'll continue to scale that kind of thing out. So it's well beyond just a, a list of links in a browser inside a social media platform. Yeah, well, that might be what it would be for someone like me who would be using a premium version of it. But what is the premium version? Like, how do you monetize this? Yeah, so the, the free version, really big thing for us is that the free version is still incredibly powerful and, and valuable to use. But ultimately, is a lot of our growth engine comes from it. Majority of our signups still come from visitors clicking on the Linktree logo, finding Linktree through that. And so you can actually have completely unlimited links. You still have a whole bunch of customization options. So you can really make it feel like yourself. As you move up the plan, so there's a $5 a month a $9 a month and a $24 a month. And ultimately, they just scale in analytics functionality, how far historically you can go, for example, and then some further customization mm -hmm. optionality as well. But, you know, that music link I referred to, you can still use that in free. Majority of the stuff's still available in free. The big leap between the $5 and the $9 is that you can remove the Linktree logo so you can white label it more so. Hmm. So are you thinking of any other ways? I mean, I don't know, let's say I'm a creator and I have an Etsy page and I want it to link to that. Or maybe I'm an Etsy creator and I am showcasing the new mugs that I just made. If someone clicks through to that to then buy, are you imagining a world in which you can kind of get a take rate or get some commission or something like that? 
Yeah, I mean, so you've definitely touched on a, a big area of growth for us. So actually, Linktree drives over 1% of all traffic to Amazon. Wow. And we have a really significant chunk of the merchants on Shopify, on Linktree as well. And so this behavior of commerce, we're on a very conservative estimate seeing well in excess of $6 billion in GMV a year passing through from a commerce perspective on Linktree. And so that's a really big growth area for us. We want to continue to make that easier, simpler, more accessible for creators to be able to earn bigger commissions, be able to drive more traffic and to expand it to more creators who ultimately right now may not know how to do it. They have the traffic to be able to do so and to be able to make money from it, but aren't necessarily doing it yet or haven't understood how to access it. And so, yeah, that's going to be a a really exciting area for us to to grow into. We've launched recently our storefront link, which has ultimately been able to just link link to products wherever you may be selling them and be able to showcase them with a price and a whole bunch of product data on your link tree and continuing to make Linktree is way more visual, so you're able to showcase a whole bunch of different content, products, videos, everything you like on your Linktree rather than having to click out of it. In terms of funding, how much have you raised so far? So we've raised 165 million US over three rounds. Mm-hmm. And at what valuation? Uh, 1.3 billion. Okay. Have you been approached to be acquired at all? I feel like this is the type of tech. I mean, on the one hand, it feels like the type of tech that another social media giant might want to own. But on the other hand, it also feels like social media was just the first stop and Linktree actually has the potential to be quite a lot bigger than that. So yeah, maybe it's something that you'd want to keep as your baby or I'm not sure, you tell me. Yeah, for us, I mean, absolutely, there's been conversations over the years, but for us, we're on day one still. There's like 1% done. We're we're at about 1.5 billion visits a month on Linktree's from about 600 million unique visitors, about 40,000 signups a day. And like I gave you those commerce numbers before, this is still, you know, significant scale, but we have a lot more to go. Mm-hmm. Right now, yes, a name that was given to us was a link in bio category. We created this category and yes, it exists and works really well for link in bio, but actually we see this expanding well beyond to be actually the way, a completely ubiquitous way to express your digital presence, express your identity online and who you are at all sides of you. And we're seeing this massive shift over time of like of individuals actually being curators and curators being creators. It's not just major creators creating for the purpose of commercial intent. It's actually you and I trusting our friends curating something and you know, Linktree being actually a really easy and simple way to be able to do that and not just socially, but actually in direct messaging and wherever it might be. So Linktree, we're really right at day one and have a lot more growth to go to get to the point of, you know, we see our user, our team in the in the billions. And remind me, you mentioned how many users you have. Um, what percentage of those are paid subscribers? So we have about 48 million linkers. We don't speak to subscriber numbers, but we can speak to visitation growth. We're definitely seeing significant growth month to month still from the traffic numbers on those linkers. It's about 40 to 45,000 signups per day. Are you profitable, sustainable? We're sustainable. We're, we're in a really great position from a runway perspective. Done a lot of work on just like any startup this year, making sure that we're in a position to be able to call our own shots and yeah, we've got a really long runway. So yeah, super excited to be able to continue yeah. being able to deliver value to our linkers in that way. And about how large is your team so far? So 160 people. And are they all in Melbourne or where is your team based? So we're about 60% Australia, 40% the US, a few people in Europe as well. But yeah, we're looking over time to really move that towards more around a 50-50 or 45-45% in, in Europe. 
And then a lot of the Australian companies that I've spoken to, they often, when they expand globally, they keep their R&D, they keep their research and development teams here. They do a lot of the software engineering in Australia. And then outside Australia is often where they source kind of marketing and sales teams. I'm not sure. Are you following a similar pattern yourself? Yeah, we definitely started with that pattern. We had a lot of go-to-market, especially our creative partnerships team. We first started out in the US, which is the team that worked directly with influential users. Over time, we started to not move, but also add product and add engineering resources to the US, mostly because this type of company we are. In Australia, there's a lot of B2B. Consumer isn't that big. There's a few other companies doing a really great job, but we found that the talent and the experience that we've needed to be able to learn from and and get in-house have come out of some of the big social media platforms has been beneficial, but we're deeply dedicated to keeping Australian roots, being an Australian company, building, showing, showing our US team the Australian culture and yeah, maintaining that forever. But we've definitely found that it has been useful to be able to bring some of that past experience in-house. Our CTO came out of Snap, for example. And yeah, that's been yeah really beneficial. Just, you know, Australia's still in that like relatively early generations, right? Like they're incredibly smart people, incredibly smart engineers, as, as good as anywhere else. Just haven't necessarily had the companies before where we are and at the scale where we're going to that they've been able to learn from, whereas you can kind of find that a little bit easier. And it's really awesome opportunity for our team here to be able to learn from those people as well. When did your CTO come on? Uh, So it was earlier this year. Okay, that's great. Yeah, Yeah. because yeah, one thing that's come up in a lot of my conversations with Aussie startups is the scale-up experience is not always in country. And that's really useful to be able to pull from either either Australians who've been abroad and done work and then come home or just being able to coax people over by saying, hey, it's Australia, <laughs> come live here. <laughs> yeah, there's been a, been a lot of that. And I think during the during COVID, I mean, we kind of saw a lot of our early scale start of COVID. But prior to that and sort of like towards the end of it, when Australia was opening up visas, there was like a pretty solid time to get people over to Australia. Although we had a lot of like pretty nasty lockdowns that weren't that appealing <laughs> for people to come to. But I think ultimately we, we're open to people coming here or we're just you know, building West Coast, US to East Coast Australia is a pretty good time zone crossover. And so we've found efficiencies in, in that way and just setting up office on both sides and, and ultimately moving towards co-located teams. So we'll have surface areas of the product looked after in particular offices. And now we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back in a second. What was fundraising like for you? Because, yeah, as you say, Australia's kind of moving into this. It's getting mature, right? It's it's becoming a mature landscape. But probably when you started, it was a little bit less so, even though I guess it wasn't that long ago. But yeah. Yeah. And look, for me, I was it was potentially even more skewed raising experience because, as I said, the digital agency specialized in music. I was generally at like music conferences and living in like music world. Never really considered ourselves a startup or exposing to the kind of tech scene. I didn't understand a huge amount of how venture capital worked. To the point where we're like, and like from within Australia, by Australian standards, like we were relatively kind of sheltered, you know, and it wasn't really until, like I didn't really recognise how strong of a business Lintree was or how strong our numbers were until Airtree actually recognised it and, and talked me through it and helped me like put a deck together and, and recommended that we raise and helped kind of open our eyes to really what, that actually our benchmarks were well, like better than many benchmarks in the US. And so that's kind of what started our fundraising journey. Airtree and a lot of the VCs in Australia were extremely supportive. They kind of helped us put that story together, knowing that we wanted to raise a bigger check than many, at a bigger valuation early on than many of the VCs could support here. They were still very supportive in saying, hey, we're going to follow 
we're going to put a check in. You can go show that to any lead in the US and know they've already done the diligence, already helped, already ready to go and you've got support. And that made it way easier to be able to go to the US and say, hey, we're ready to go. We were in a really, really fortunate position that we were growing very quickly during COVID that we were able to like build a quite a competitive round. But, you know, I've been, I've been an investor in many other startups, but it's a very different story post, you know, economic change over the last year. Yeah, it's just one of those takeoff stories, right, that the pandemic actually would have helped with. Yeah, yeah, the agency got flattened because <laughs> it was all music and all the festivals stopped. But yeah, Linktree definitely got a bit of a tailwind. Yeah, and then in terms of bringing on international investors and probably mostly US investors, how has that helped you? Have you found that they are able to... I don't know, help you with customers or are they just there with bigger checks? Yeah, I mean, it's the biggest thing for us, so we'll bootstrapped and we'll cash flow positive before we raise. We didn't really actually need to raise. For me, it was that kind of thing of like actually still being a little bit sheltered in Australia, not really that many other consumer scale startups. Obviously, it's like Canva is a huge scale and they can kind of almost be considered consumer, but really they're B2B or prosumer afterpay. It's kind of not a huge amount. Others are obviously an Atlassian's a wonderful company, but they're B2B. It's very different styles. And so we kind of were looking to just get extra people around the table that have been there and have seen it. So it was really about building out our board and having access to more advisors that had seen it and access to more founders that we could learn from. And then a lot of your growth, as you said, happened during the pandemic. We're not there anymore. We're not really there anymore. How has that shaped your leadership style? What What is it like to, to rule this company? I mean, it's a huge privilege. I mean, it's been, you know, during that early days, it was kind of like being able to do that zero to one, which I absolutely love being able to grow and figure out, you know, how to find product market fit, which we were very, again, fortunate, found product market fit almost immediately. And then that kind of growth at all costs scale period during 2020 to 2022 during the pandemic was hard, but it was a different type of hard. It was like just finding the most effective way to be able to scale as sustainably as possible, but be able to make sure we're still hiring the right people. We're hiring the right people, building the team for success and knowing ultimately kind of putting the pieces in place to know the scale we're getting to. I think then it's just like being the third phase of, okay, the economy's changed. It's changed our strategy a little bit. Ultimately, we're still growing really, really well, but we want to be in a position where we're able to grow sustainably. We want to make sure that we're like raising's no longer really the strategy. We want to be completely sustainable, get to cash flow positivity on the, on the core business and be able to go scale all the other revenue lines we know we can from there. And so it's a bit of a strategy change and that's been a really interesting year this year, kind of actually just getting back to our bootstrap roots, really. Mm. Those kind of muscles we built really early on, on how to grow really sustainably, hire in line with our revenue, do all those kinds of things outside of having capital where you're investing heavily ahead of the curve. It's kind of like pulling back into that really sustainable mindset, which is like a big shift. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, again, that's something that I feel like Australian startups kind of do really well because they come to investors usually with a product that's already in market, generating revenue and not just an idea. So I think that capital efficiency is something that I've seen a lot in my reporting in Australia. Yeah, I wonder if you can speak a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think it's definitely a, I mean, there's a mentality perspective. I think it's also just like, you can't just go build a sales team in Australia and have them sell to the US, like time zones are a bit annoying, sell to Europe. So you generally like find 
the guys from Atlassian, Scott and Mike, speak to this a little bit around how the early days they really went for a SaaS model because they couldn't have an enterprise sales model being in Australia, picking up calls at 4am. And we found the same thing. We had to build our support team in line with the US and go down a SaaS model. I think you kind of like find ways to be able to build the revenue without needing heavy sales teams and those kinds of things. And you're therefore way more efficient and you find ways to get money earlier and be able to grow your team sustainably. And I think that's awesome. Like my advice is always to bootstrap as long as you possibly can. If it's one, it puts you in a better position later, but from a valuation perspective, but more so just to build that muscle and build the understanding of how to really run a business effectively and sustainably more so than just like how to spend cash. Have you noticed or have you felt any pressure from your investors? Like if they give you a really big round, I think that in the past there's been this kind of pressure to spend the money, right? And to make sure that it doesn't make it look like you're actually doing something with it. And so people will probably overspend, they overhire. How do you navigate that? I think it comes down to investors. Like our, our investors are in super high quality, again, really really fortunate to have really amazing people around the table. Yes, there was absolutely during that period where like super low interest rates, VCs had a heap of LP money that VC was the best place they could put in <laughs> because interest was making them nothing. And so they were wanted to deploy as much capital as possible. And so you could, it was a general feeling in the ecosystem more so than specific advice from our investors of just like, hey, you can spend more, scale more, grow, and then you'll be able to take more money. And that, I mean, ultimately was a interesting period, let's call it, like not a sustainable period. But our investors were always actually like, hey, you need to make sure you know, we're worried about culture if we scale too quickly. We're worried about being able to you know, maintain operations and processes and efficiency. Like, yes, we should use the capital to solve problems quicker than we otherwise would be able to and be able to take on more markets quicker than we would be able to. But how do we do that sustainably? And it's not just about you know, spending the money as quickly as possible just so I can give you more. But I think now we're in a just a much healthier ecosystem mm. where you know founders are encouraged to build very sustainable businesses, growth, efficient growth and profitable growth is what's rewarded more. And I think that's just better economically all around. Builds better founders, builds better resilience. And also like the expectations. I think like I sometimes speak to founders that are like, oh, you know, it would have been nice to raise during that period. And I, I was like, I, no, I think you, sh- you should be fortunate to raise in this period because the expectations are entirely different. Like here's your amount of money we know you need to grow sustainably, go do the right things compared to, hey, we've raised this much money and therefore we expect you to grow X percentage quicker. Mm. And therefore you're like, you're going really fast and you're kind of making maybe not such sustainable decisions. Mm, yeah. So like not only are you maybe, you know, your business model is more worthy of funding, but also you don't have these insane expectations. Yeah. It's like you just have time to be more intentional about your decisions. I think is the biggest piece. Yeah, like, you know, you look at funding trends over the last few years and there was a big boost in 2021, 2022 in Australia, and then it drops in 2023. The investors I've spoken to say that's actually a good thing. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it was obviously that initial shock. Like, you know, like it was hard for a bunch of startups that were in the SVB thing that happened as well around the same time. Like, not great timing. Mm. But I think now that everyone's out on the other side of it, obviously like very tough time for a lot of people, employees as well with the requirement for layoffs and those kinds of things across the market. So super tough for everyone involved. But I think on the other side of it, you've got a bunch of businesses that are in a much cleaner position to be able to like go and actually reach their goals and reach their vision. So what about your goals and your vision? What are you thinking are the next steps for Linktree? Any other products that you want to add, different revenue streams, new markets? Yeah, so ultimately, like I said earlier, we see our team in the billions. I see Linktree to be this completely ubiquitous, centralized way to be able to express your whole self. 
And we've got a number of steps to get there, which we're really, really excited about. It's about this idea of like empowerment and, and like democratization of your digital presence where anyone should be able to express themselves really simply. Bunch of ways to get there. But, you know, like I said earlier as well, big focus for next year is commerce, further empowerment, enablement of creators, brands, businesses to be able to drive commerce through and tree. We really see through that creators are the storefront of the future, right? Like I, I don't see any world where where brands aren't seeing creators being the main distribution channel for their products, well beyond, you know, paying for shelf space in Walmart, for example, that creators actually, through the authenticity, the reach of their audiences, these really powerful distribution channels. And so we're really looking to power that. Do you imagine a world in which you're using kind of different form factors to you know, I'm thinking augmented reality, virtual reality. I'm thinking, yeah, a lot of the promises that have been made from specifically augmented reality companies. There was one years ago that pitched me and I cannot remember the name of them, but it was basically like if you came up to someone and you held up your phone, you would just see like a chain of their social media presence surrounding them and you could interact with it. You'd be like, oh, well, that's their Spotify. I can see what they listen to and that's their Twitter. I can see what they, or sorry, their ex. And I can, <laughs> I can, um, I can interact with that. And then you just kind of, yeah, almost this slightly creepy version of, you know, mm. stalking, but just being able to look at, yeah, what surrounds them. I don't know if you've, you've dabbled or thought about anything interesting like that. We haven't, I haven't seen that one, but yeah, I think for us right now, the surface is you're expressing your identity through either the content you're linking to, the content you've created, it could be content you're recommending, so your links in your page, but also through like your creative expression, like the colors, the background, the image, the fonts, how you want to showcase yourself. And it's right now, it's like was really hyper-focused on conversion. Linktree was, you know, when we started, it was solving this real core problem, which is being able to link out. And creators wanted you to be able to get your audience wanted to be able to get their audience to wherever you need to get them to as quickly as possible. So it's just hyper-focused on conversion. And actually, as we've evolved, it's become a lot more about expression, a lot more about a visual expression, actually wanting the click to happen on the page, wanting the experience to happen in the link tree rather than just sending them off all the time. And so definitely evolving it a lot more at the moment to be yeah much more centered in this idea of rather than being kind of the train station and sending them out, we're actually the destination and we can do a lot more fun stuff like that to enable creators to be able to showcase the things they care about, but ultimately still be able to get them to whatever that conversion needs to be, right? So if they need to get them from Instagram to TikTok, how do we make that happen as quickly as possible? And how do we showcase that orbit around them? But, you know, if we need to help them get a conversion on a product, how do we take as many steps away from that as possible? When you say like personalizing the page, like have you, I don't know, you mentioned Canva earlier, like are you working with any companies to help you, or is this done in-house, to help you offer creators and people who are using your platform a way to, yeah, just make cool art as the landing page. Yeah, like right now they can do, you know, they can change fonts and backgrounds and colors. They can change their fonts, their backgrounds, their colors, their button styles, that kind of thing. Videos on the background, avatars, etc. We also integrate with Canva so you can do a bunch of that stuff in Canva and put it into your link tree. But we're definitely looking to expand on that a lot more this year from an AI perspective, Gen AI, to be able to generate and help recommend the way your link tree should look, do a whole bunch of it for you, which is going to be really exciting as well. Mm, this is giving me early MySpace days vibes. Yeah, yeah it's actually been really funny watching that kind of full circle moment there's a whole bunch of yeah linkers that are kind of like can i just the things they want to do are like very my myspace-esque but they're gen z gen z linkers asking for it like i don't think you've don't think you've seen this yet i think gen z would love myspace i actually think they would yeah and we yeah we're doing a lot of like you know you can recommend other friends which is very myspace top eight but in a way cooler way 
Yeah, so there's a whole bunch of that that I think is yeah super exciting in terms of, again, that idea of visual expression through the lens right now of like how do we empower this commerce aspect and what brands are really pushing for as well. Brands are trying to find these new avenues, especially after the whole Apple cookie ban performance isn't working as well. And brands are really looking for ways to be able to reach an audience. And that idea of reaching an audience through a creator is really powerful. Mm. Would you have like a B2B pillar then for this or? Less B2B pillar, but ultimately it's brands enabling their products to be able to be sold by creators. And so there's definitely an element where we need to be working with brands. Yeah. What is on your link tree? My link tree, because I don't create. So it's actually one of those tough ones for me. I'm kind of... You had a free account. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just on the free uh, version. No, I'm like, it's actually a bit of a... Generally, if you want to see things with beta testing, you go look at my link tree. There's a whole bunch of crazy things going on there. But it's generally recommendations, like things that I'm curating, things that I'm listening to, Mm -hmm. books that I've read, podcasts that I like which is kind of like really the vision like the way I wanted to go in terms of individuals, not just creators actually showcasing the things they care about. Like if I have a friend that is in Melbourne and loves, loves food, I'm going to trust their restaurant recommendations mm-hmm. and I'll go to their link tree to look at, you know, their restaurant lists and those kind of things. I think there's like this idea of curation as creation that we have, we're sitting right there in a position to be able to facilitate, which is, yeah, the big kind of next step. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for walking me through your business, your plans, your past, your future. And it's been really cool connecting. Yeah, really appreciate the time. Cool. Thanks for having me. Found is hosted by myself, TechCrunch senior reporter Becca Skutak, alongside senior reporter Dominic Midori-Davis. Found is produced by Maggie Stamets with editing by Kel. Our illustrator is Bryce Durbin. Found's audience development and social media is managed by Morgan Little, Alyssa Stringer, and Natalie Kreisman. TechCrunch's audio products are managed by Henry Pickovit. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.